Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive. I'm Luke Hancock, Mark Ennis. We wish you the best, buddy. Our thoughts and prayers going to deal with some some family things on his way to Tampa, Florida, going back home. Enjoy that warm weather, even though today, I will say this is one of the nicest days of the year. It's awesome outside. It's been a while since we've had some sunshine like this here yeah. in the Ville. I'm, I'm glad you're holding it down for me with me in this last hour. we got a lot to chop it up about. We are going to open up the phone lines, 8150-939, and we'll hit the uh, the text line a little bit more, 3831-939. A bunch to get into. Uh, give us a call if you want to talk through everything from that ridiculous, I mean ridiculous, Virginia-Virginia Tech game yesterday. I know it's a rivalry. I know that game was seemed a little weird with the line going into it, but wow, did Virginia get throttled. Had Jeff Walls on to talk about the, the big game on Sunday and kind of what his team has coming the next few weeks, his expectations, and also I love that he can put a loss behind him where a team comes in and plays well and a great team in, in uh, Kenny Brooks' team in Virginia Tech with George Amore and Liz Kitley, but didn't play their best basketball. Time to reset, get ready for the next one. Says three out of four down the stretch here gets them, he thinks, the opportunity to host, and we know how impactful that is. Uh, talking through a few other things, I did just get this to pop up on the phone. So from ESPN, ESPN staff writer Dan Murphy just wrote this article, uh, something else we can get into here. It's uh, an NCAA president, Charlie Baker, against new transfer rule limits. So he just wrote this article. Um, it says, during a wide-ranging hour-long interview with ESPN on Tuesday, Baker harbored no sympathy for the many coaches who have publicly complained about the difficulties they have in maintaining a stable roster in the new college sports environment. It carries fewer restrictions on players, on player transfers, and allows for name-image likeness deals that have proved to be incentives for players to consider changing teams. He says... Uh, quote, I've had conversations with a bunch of coaches who didn't walk out on their contracts, Baker says. One of the things I hear from kids when I talk to them about the issue, coaches walk, on, walk out on their contracts, what about us? And from my perspective, as a guy who had to sit out and go through that year, where there are a lot of ridiculous rules when you sit out anyway, I think one thing the NCAA should have done in a proactive way, like the fact that I wasn't allowed to travel with the team, a joke. I wasn't allowed to travel with the team to the NCAA tournament. You couldn't go to New Orleans? I, I got in a car at like 11 p.m. with a friend, and we drove through the night. I slept in the back seat of this tiny little car that got good gas mileage because I was a broke college student, had to save some cheese. And then I slept on the floor of Mike Mara and Steven Van Treese's room while we were down there for the tournament. Yeah. See, I forgot about. Maybe I remember that, but I forgot about that rule where you couldn't travel. Like it's absurd. Like you're still, you know, a part of the team. Oh, absolutely. And I was practicing. I was lifting weights. I was doing everything. I just wasn't wearing the uniform and playing in the games. Yeah, like I remember Dave saying somewhere like walk-ons back in the day. There was different rules. Like you could do all the practice, but you had to eat somewhere separate from the whole team. How absurd. Yeah, exactly. This was like 20 years ago, obviously for him. But well, I did go to a team meal, and Richard Patino like yelled at me. Got really mad at me because I I was a red shirt. I wasn't supposed to travel with a team, and he was like, "If somebody sees you, like we're in trouble." And he got he got super pissed at me. 
had to leave right then. So is it for all red shirts? Like if you're like a freshman, but you're redshirting that year, you can't travel, or is it just for the transferring? You know, I'm not sure if medical red shirts are different. Um, maybe R- Richard just didn't like me. I mean, you could be lying about the whole thing. Yeah, there's a reason you need to go to FIU after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I've never been more heartbroken than I'm going through the practices. I'm doing the preseason conditioning. You know, the stuff that nobody wants to do. Hot mile runs, suicide, 17s, doing all this stuff. We're getting ready for a Bahamas tournament. And like two days before we're supposed to go, nah, you can't go because you're a red shirt. Sorry. And I'm like, well, what if I pay my own way? And they're like, it's Atlantis. It's going to be X number of dollars. I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to be able to pay my own way. That's the most expensive place in the world. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It's like, uh, I mean, I'm sure you went through all the passport stuff you had to get through. And it's like, you can't go now. Like, that's just ridiculous that... I had the passport, so I checked that off the list without any effort or anything because I did a overseas trip with George Mason. We went to Italy. Okay. But still, just to have been so excited, too, to share that with your team. Like, the, the whole benefit of doing overseas trips or going to the Bahamas or whatever is that your team comes together. Like, when I did the trip to Italy with George Mason and Coach Laranega, we beat every team we played like a drum. The only one game was, was mildly competitive. We crushed every team we played. Now, most of the time, you'll get a couple good games. We only got one that was solid. And the rest of the experience was just team bonding. And it was so impactful. We went from winning 17 games. I think we were 17 and 15 my freshman year. We won the most games in school history as a sophomore. with the same group. Like, it is crazy impactful. And just a bad NCAA rule. So, I'm glad we're kind of digging into this. Um, Baker said he thinks that the rate of transfers in college sports reflects a larger trend of all college students changing schools more frequently than they did in the past. I thought this was interesting. Uh, He said, do they transfer more than they did 10 years ago? Yes. Do they transfer more than their peers who aren't student athletes? No, Baker said. They actually transfer less than students who aren't student athletes, and kids just transfer more because they have more information, more data, and they're more impatient about a lot of things. Also, I've been hounding this drum for a cup for a bit is we're still with the effects of the COVID year with players and the extra and like football's ridiculous. The red shirt, you play four games and still red shirt. And then you can take the COVID year and get extra year. So you still have guys that have been in there now five, six Tyler Shucks case, seven years of medical injuries Um, that I think that's why there seems to be more of an influx and transfers in the transfer portal that once that year's kind of, gone in we're back to the you know four years or five years to play four with the red shirting yep. we'll see less people in the portal like that's my belief on that matter if maybe i'm off base maybe i'm not but i mean less in terms of total number just because you have yes. a full class of players but i don't know percentage wise if it's going to be less you know that's I, a good point there i still just see the ease of entering the portal and then the benefit of testing your market value if your concern is not like strictly focused on how do I win a national championship, which I wasn't getting paid. So my focus, I, I actually it was twofold. I was going to go to the best academic situation I could, or I was going to find a, a place where I could be successful and I had a real shot to win a championship. So I end up at Louisville. I think nowadays, so many kids, they just enter the portal to test their market value and they try and go get a bigger check. And the, to be honest, the money that some of these kids are making, you know, this is a total rumor. I have no idea if this is 100% or not, but I heard L. Ellis made $800,000. I'd believe that. That's a rumor. I'm not, I'm not stamping my, my approval on that. But if he made $800,000 for six points. They didn't get their bang for the buck, that's for sure. There. Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, I know uh, I've heard stories about guys like Quinn Slazinski that transferred from Iona to West Virginia. Now, he's at least playing pretty well, but I heard he got an absolutely crazy amount of money to go into that situation. And um, I can't blame kids when it's it's a situation where you go test your market value, you make hundreds of thousands of more dollars, and you get to keep playing basketball. Yeah, especially, and I'm not sure the pro prospects of, you know, Slazinski or LLS, but they're probably not NBA guys. Maybe they're G League guys. Maybe they're overseas guys. But like college is probably their peak earning potential yes. for these guys. Same with like, and I know like the women's game especially, that's like their most marketability because WNBA is just not there yet. Maybe it is one day, but it's not there yet. So like people like Caitlin Clark, Haley Van Lith, we can go local like Olivia Cochran. They have the peak marketability in college that I'm not going to fault them 
if they're trying to maximize their value because they have such a short earning potential in the grand scheme of things. And there are so many people who do what I do who have come out and, and talked about all the negatives, right, with NIL and transfers and everything. I got to tell you, man, the product's better. There's more parity across college basketball. You have players like Armando Baycott, who I get it. It is a little ridiculous when you start to put him in the conversation with Ralph Sampson and Tim Duncan. Like, he, he's not that guy. But with career stats, he is. He's he's approaching those two as career double-doubles. Those are, those are the last two he's got to knock off, right? We're going to have to look at stats and see, you know, at least the cumulative stats just don't mean what they used to mean, right? There's going to be this period where playing five or six years changes things. It's like the NFL, they added extra game now. So it's like right. back in right. the day, they were 14 games. Now they're 17. Right. That You know, the numbers are a bit inflated. But I, again, I have no problem with the... Uh, People transferring it, that's, you know, their prerogative. And, you know, Louisville, we've benefited and we've seen the other effects of, you know, you can ship a guy out or you can bring the guys in. Like football, like Jeff Brom, they've done a tremendous jobs. like, okay, maybe you're not the best scheme fit here. Go into the portal. Go find your value somewhere else. And then it's like, okay, we they brought a couple Ivy League guys in. Okay, come here. Other guys like FCS levels. Like, okay, yeah, you were star at the FCS level. Come here. We'll get you on a big stage and we'll improve your draft stock. If I'm a smaller coach, I think Mark Ennis has said this before, but like I would have no problem pitching that to guys. Like to get recruits to come to your school and play, you can come star here and then transfer. You know, put on a show here and you're going to get paid more money or you go sit on the bench and play at, you know, whatever big time school. I think it's a, a way to sell like an opportunity that should level the playing field a little bit in terms of getting especially the young talent because you know, you look at – I can't remember the exact stats. Okay, so, again, not a quote, but they took the top 100 uh, high school kids and looked at their impact in college this year. And it was something like six points in 21 minutes. Then they did the top 100 transfers, and it was like 14 points and 31 minutes. So – I know that, you know, high school players can come in and make an impact, but we're talking guys that have been in college for three, four years being able to transfer and come do what Harrison Ingram is doing and what Cormac Ryan's doing at, at Carolina. And there are plenty of those examples across the country. But, you know, like Trey Mitchell is going to be better than almost any freshman that comes in there. And that's just the way it works with experience and, and strength and just being able to adapt to the pace of the game. Um couple other things from this article I want to get to and then we'll, we'll keep it rolling but um, it says that uh, college sports have petitioned for Congress to help in regaining some control of the future of college sports amid a myriad of legal challenges to the NCAA's rules. Several of the bills and proposals generated by Congress include provisions that would make it more difficult for athletes to transfer and Baker was asked his opinion he said I'm not much on that I'm not Baker said when asked about the potential of a law that would restrict player movement and thus limit some of their ec economic power um, none of those bills they say have, have uh, reached a committee vote and he talks about still wanting to um, pursue it uh, in the future if it doesn't you know lead to anything now but um, they talk about being really careful with how they approach this. And, and Baker adds, there really isn't a path forward for the NCAA to solve its current legal issues in a sustainable way without some intervention from federal lawmakers. And that right there, I thought, was extremely interesting. They know they have to do something. They know their path of just the litigious society that we're in being hammered on uh, is not sustainable. So what do you do next? Um, I think they have to keep petitioning the, the uh you know, Congress and the powers that be to get some more help. I don't know what the other answer would be. I, I don't either because, like, I don't think that limiting transfers, that's not going to be viable. Like, yeah, antitrust and everything. Taking rules away and, and yeah. making it more Wild Wild West-like is, is the answer. Again, their their fault was, you know, they under Mark Emmert, they had no sense of, you know, being proactive in anything. Yeah, and they just so many times. Yeah, yeah. they were just like, you know, sit back here. Oh, Congress is going to agree with us. No, we're going to have nine Supreme Court justices that agree on nothing. Say, no, you're in the wrong here. Like, that's, yeah. like, I don't you know, know what you can do. You a lot of athletes that are Supreme Court justices, by the way? Like, that no. have been in that. I don't think it really works that way. Yeah. So, I don't, <laughs> you know, at least he's having construction, constructive conversations. He at least says now he's talking to the lawmakers and not just some of their staff. 
So we'll see what happens. I think the NCAA is going uh, the wrong direction. I think they're going to dwindle away at some point and that uh, the conference commissioners are going to say, we'll take the basketball tournament too, and then we don't need the NCAA for anything. And they make their own set of rules. But that that's just my opinion. Um, and speaking of the basketball tournament, they did uh, talk a little bit in this article about uh, the NCAA tournament and kind of what would happen. You know, we've just talked about expansion of the college football playoffs. Uh, Baker said he does not support the idea of decreasing opportunities for schools from smaller leagues to make the tournament by eliminating any of the automatic bids for those leagues. Uh, he says most people who follow college sports think the NCAA tournament in basketball is perfect, right? So anything that's done to change it has to be done with care and consideration, he said. Um, I can't imagine they, they make it a whole lot bigger, but at the same time, um, I wouldn't mind it if it expanded to get to 64 teams. So what I mean is if you got to play play-in games that are on site somewhere, um, you know, you, you go, it's kind of like the play-in game format we have now. If you expand that side of it and we kind of, it, it's not actually part of the tournament. Uh, it's more of a play-in stage before you get to the real games. I'm okay with that. I don't know how you feel. Again, uh, that's what the conference tournament's for though. In my opinion, it's like, why have the conference tournament if you're going to just add this extra stage Especially because, like, you know, the way it is now, like the 16 seeds are for automatic qualifiers that yep. have to play a game, which again, is still considered making the tournament. But it's like, still rough, you, you got to play a game. It's like, so we won our conference tournament. We made the tournament, but we're knocked out before it kind of officially begins. Like, right. I mean, just gambling purpose. But when you're filling out brackets, you say, yeah, playing winner advances. That's how you can look at it that way. Again, I think the 6 to 18 format's perfect the way it is. Um, get other sports because if you expand basketball you got to do other sports and like let's face it they're not making the money the men's basketball tournament is making that if you expand you know like lacrosse soccer baseball which i do love you can't really expand it because it just gets too many teams there especially in sports where you're playing multiple games like i i love single elimination i think the tournament i'm 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 gonna use the word perfect too like i love the ncaa tournament um you know, I, I think across the country, people get so fired up to fill out their brackets and it just draws eyeballs because, it, you know, even the 16 seed can win. You know, I think the the parity across college basketball and having UVA lose and you having Purdue lose to those 16 seeds has made it nothing but better. And then, like, I mean, I've mentioned this before, you know, Virginia, when they lost it, next year they won it all. Yeah. Purdue, like, I get, I'm skeptical of them. I don't think I'll pick them to win it all this year. But there's precedent for a team to lose to a 16 seed and win it all the next year. And like, if nothing else, yeah. you now have confidence if yeah. you're that 16 seed. Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, UConn looks very unbeatable. But like, I I checked the spread eight. It's only two and a half point favorite on the road at Creighton, and that's kind of alarming to me. That's only that does dabble in gambling. It's just like, do I like I trust UConn a lot, but why is the spread that low? Like I get Creighton's a good team, but UConn has been top notch, and they just dispatched a really good Marquette team over the weekend. Yeah, by 30. I think 28 in that game. And uh, it's a bad matchup for Marquette. Um, you know, I, I think Igadaro and, and uh, Klingon are just – that's a horrible matchup. Um, Tyler Kolick did not have a good game, and I think he put together uh, two 28-point performances in a row leading into that. I love Tyler Kolick's game. I, if You know, choosing any guard in the country, he's first. Probably Tristan Newton second. Probably R.J. Davis is third for me. But um, underrated skill for somebody – if you are dribbling left and you can throw like an on-time, on-target pass with your left hand, you don't have to touch it with your other hand, he can do that so well off the bounce with both hands. If he's moving right, throwing right. If he's moving left, throwing left with one hand. It is just watching him pass the basketball. Fun to see. I'm a big fan of the Marquette team, but you're right. UConn looked unbelievable. And then Purdue losing to a, a team in Ohio State yeah. that had lost uh, – or they were they were two – and nine in their last 11 games, I believe. Going and they that. just fire their coach. And they just fire Chris Holtman and just come away with, I mean, magic. Isn't that unbelievable? That shows you yeah. how thin the margins are. And there's talent all across the country. You just got to play your best ball. And I think that speaks to why Creighton, uh, why the line is so close. Because when you go on the road and teams have confidence and they start making shots, you know, best example, look at what Virginia Tech did to Virginia last night. That's another one. I Actually, I took Virginia on the money line because I was just did surprised. You? Yeah, I regret that you meet. I cash out at halftime. I was just like, I'll get 20 cents back Vegas here. has the hook in you. They just threw it out there. I'm like, yeah, I'm like why is Virginia only – I mean, it's a, it's a like rivalry plus game. Plus 140, plus 160. Yeah, I was like, I know it's a rivalry game. I know it's a road game. But I was like, 
Virginia is still a good team, and yep. I and I'm trying not to bet the ACC too much because it's just so crazy this year. This, the, this year in particular, I, I I don't have the number in front of me, but the stat about um, <laughs> ranked teams losing to unranked teams. I believe it. It is outrageous this season. Outrageous. A couple uh, texts in the UPS jobs text line talking about why I went to school academic and try and win a national championship. They said, Luke, so you made the decision to go to an academic school and wound up winning a Natty 2. That's high praise for Louisville. We love it. Um, somebody else said, if Must Bus paid L 800K, I definitely don't want him as our coach. That's pretty funny and fitting. Um, what's your take on positionless basketball? Does a team need guards, especially point guards? Uh, in Louisville's case, they definitely needed one of their three-point guards last game. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, not that it has to look the same way. When I think about positionless basketball, yeah, you can have guys that bring the ball up the floor, that facilitate your offense, but you need somebody with a skill set that they're going to be able to break the press, that their role or their mindset is trying to get their teammates involved. Um, you know, there are different ways of doing it, certainly, but I, I think having somebody you can rely on to handle the rock makes you a better basketball team. And I look at Sean Padula last night. I know we've hit Virginia Tech, Virginia a bunch, but the, the game was last night. It was a, a big one um, in terms of the ACC. So um, Sean Padula is a guy who's always in attack mode, but he's still looking to find his teammates and create good shots. Uh, I think it's really tough to win if you don't have somebody that can handle ball pressure well outside the basket and get your team uh, the ability to run a half-court offense. I think it's really, really tough. Yeah, that's why, like, tomorrow, like, I've had people ask me my thoughts on tomorrow's game. It's, they're like, is Louisville going to be healthy? It's like, that's the thing, because college basketball, and you know this from your playing days and even covering the teams, you don't have to do an injury report like the NFL or the NBA does, where you can just wait till you know, I guess half an hour before tip-off. It's like, Okay, yeah, Tyler Johnson's not playing. Sky Clark's not playing. Yep. So I have no read on what their recovery is like, if they're going to give it a go tomorrow night when they host Notre Dame. And it does change things. You know, like you said, if Louisville has a guy that can handle the rock and, you know, can beat the zone and beat the pressure, that changes things. Like if Louisville goes in tomorrow night, no Sky Clark, no Tyler Johnson, I have no confidence in the win of the game. If Tyler's playing, I have, I don't, I still think they probably lose, but I am much more confident in Louisville's ability to win that game if they have a guard playing. No doubt. Uh, I'll agree. You know, some of that stuff, you, you could lean one, or, one direction or the other, but with the, just the point of if they have one of their point guards playing, they have a much better chance to win, that's a fact. They, number, I think one of the things I saw in the pit game, it's exhausting. If you're not used to dealing with pressure and bringing the ball up the floor – and, and trying to get your team in a half-court offense, like playing the two or the three, it's just different, and it wears you down. You, you need Mike James to be in scoring mode. You know, Curtis Williams, I would almost take anybody else running the point. He's, he's a guy who um, doesn't prioritize the basketball, has too many turnovers. I want him out there hunting shots. He does a lot of good things and has to improve on the defensive end, but I, I don't want him thinking about how do I get the team set up in this half-court set. You know, please know. So Mike James is going to get worn down if he has to constantly do that, uh, especially Marcus Burton. If you have not seen him play for Notre Dame, I think he's the fastest guard we have in the ACC with the ball in his hands. He's a freshman. It's a really young team. This will be a matchup. I would say these Notre Dame, Louisville, and Syracuse is the youngest teams in the ACC. A um, lot of young pieces. You'll also see uh, Dre Davis's brother, former Louisville guy. I remember him. to uh, Seton Hall. His brother's on the team at, at Notre Dame. Uh, transferred from Penn State with uh, with Coach Shrews. Um, or Coach Shrews came from Penn State, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I think they're going to be in a really tough spot without a point guard against a team like that that pressures and plays hard. Really tough. And, again, this is like one of the last chances I think this year's team has to get a win. Just because, like, Duke, uh, the way Louisville plays. I, I mean, we've seen upsets happen, obviously. Just I have no confidence in Louisville going against Duke. I know they end it with BC. That's a winnable game, but like Notre Dame's their best chance, I would say, to get a win. But it all depends on who's available, and that's just you know the this thing that sucks this year with the team is that there's guys we like, but also you know when JJ went down, Caleb Glenn stepped up, and I think Caleb Glenn has been a bright spot on this year's team. I I don't know if you remember me saying this, but I'm a huge fan of Caleb Glenn. Uh, Chris Mack told me when he was recruiting Caleb Glenn. This guy's a workhorse. You're going to love him. Um, he's a guy who wakes up early and works out. 
goes to school, goes to practice, does a workout after practice, and then he goes and plays video games. I remember you saying that last yeah. week. I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, love that mindset. I'm, you know, I'm focused on these two things. I'm a basketball guy, uh, and he's obviously showed out these last few games. He's a guy like more experience out there. He's just gonna get better because he plays hard. He's got the physical tools, and he's coachable. He's coachable. So. Um, I think more minutes for him, the better. couple texts in the UPS jobs text line here. Uh, unionizing would be a great thing at this point. Could give more of the share of revenue to the players and swing the pendulum back towards the center on transfers through collective bargaining. I wonder what the catalyst is going to be. What it's got to be for either players to be considered employees, unionizing. What happens? How do you get to that point? And I think we're in a tough spot because it's it's – there'll be a lot of guys that get a raw deal from this. You know, they enter the portal, they don't have a place to play, they lose out on years, um, they don't get paid when they go to a school or don't get what they're promised. There's going to be losers in the whole situation. There's also going to be a lot of winners, and especially at the top schools. I don't think you can function by offering, you know, big money. Like if you're Arkansas and you're offering big money, if you don't pay that, word's going to get out. Like if one of these kids just goes to their Instagram and says, you know, Coach Muss, this is not what happened. I'm just saying, hypothetical. Coach Muss uh, offered me half a million dollars. I got paid 50 grand. That's it. I don't think that's going to happen. So, I, well, I think you're you're done recruiting. Every coach yeah. is going to use that as negative recruiting moving forward. And I, I don't know about you. I haven't seen a bunch of that in the headlines outside of – you know the the quarterback Rashada yeah, right, from Florida. That's the only. That's the ultimate example. Obviously, he yeah. goes to Arizona State. I'm not sure what the package was there, but yeah, that was one very publicly where it's like this school they just can't afford to pay the guy or whatever. And you know these guys they talk to each other like we we kind of the dirty secret is you know have the players recruit the other players. It's like oh yeah I know you we play high school ball we played against each other come down to Alabama so the coaches have no contact whatsoever. With the coach, with the uh, the players, but yeah, where's gonna get out? Like, yeah, I was promised X amount of dollars, and they only gave me Y, and it's like, well, I'm not going there anymore. If they can't, you know, pay me what they promised, then yeah, it's broken promises is how you get fired in this business, no doubt. And you know, I'll, I'll give an example. You look at what Wake Forest is doing. You see how Hunter Silas is balling. Well, what do you think happened when Steve Forbes went to recruit Hunter Silas, and Efton Reed was there? Those two guys talked. Hey, man, Coach Forbes is the man. I think I'm going to go to Wake Forest. You should come too. And then you get two transfers from Gonzaga. And how impactful have those guys been? I totally think you're spot on with just the relationships with guys. And, like, these guys talk. They know who's going to get paid what. They know the the vibes from some of these coaches. I think Charlie Baker said it in that article, right? The information is so much more available to these kids. Did you have any connections with Louisville before you took your visit here? Like, did with you know? the city, yes. So my brother had actually okay. lived here for a long time. There was a, a restaurant on Bardstown Road called uh, Judge Roy Beans. And uh, my brother had that restaurant with a partner of his for a long time and then started to work on um, some stuff at the baseball stadium, actually. I had a couple restaurants there, put in the, the gravity-fed brewery system uh, that was there for a long time. So I made trips here and did Kentucky Kingdom when I was real young and – was was super young when I went to uh, Churchill Downs for the first time, and my mom used to say I would bet on the colors. And that's one way to go. <laughs> actually, won. Yeah, so, yeah. Of first course. time, last time, I guess. Uh, but now the players at the time or the coaches, you didn't have any relation uh, with them. No, I, I thought Louisville was uh, the, the brand was very cool. Um, you know, the I didn't know a ton about like doctors a dunk or anything like that, but I thought um, with Coach P, they had a mentality of toughness, and they were a great program and. A lot of good things, but um, had my connection was had nothing really to do with the university. I don't think I've ever heard that story before. Have you ever told it before in the past? But that, that's just crazy that something like your brother living here helped kind of pave the way for you to eventually lead us to a championship. Yeah, I've got a buddy. Uh, his name's Frazier. A lot of people in town know uh, his family, but he was working at uh, Diorio's, and I went in with my brother to eat eat some food. And uh, my brother's just kind of, we're talking about everything and I'm trying to process, you know, all of these different, different things, emotions, things going through my head. And so we're sitting there talking and the bartender who happened to be Frazier starts talking to me and um, I, I could tell he didn't believe anything I was saying where I was like, I'm on a recruiting visit. I'm going to come play basketball at Louisville. And he's like, no, you're not. And uh, we sat there and ate the, the, one of the biggest pizzas I've ever seen, my brother and I. Um, and then 
kind of happenstance. It, it ends in me coming to school here, and Fraser and I are good friends now, but it's, it's a funny story from back in the day. A um, couple other texts here. NCAA says you need to go to 128 teams. All higher seeds host first round. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm okay expanding. I would just like the tournament format to stay at 64. I like the number of games you have to win once you're, once you're fully in. Um, playing games, I don't really see a reason not to let more teams have an opportunity to get in. Uh, I would love to see it you know, expanded out, even if you don't host, but like using some of the best college basketball sites across the country yeah like i again i've never been to dayton but like dayton just seems like it's i'm sure it is it just seems like a random city to kind of because you know they have that tradition every single year they're hosting the first four in dayton it's it's stuck around forever um Place just, gets loud. I bet it does for I played those against games. A guy, we played Dayton when I was at George Mason. They had a guy named Chris Flight Wright. I think he took off from the free throw line in our game. I've never heard a louder arena. Oh, I bet. It was tough, yeah. Like, but yeah, some of the, it just means the men's tournament, it's perfectly enough to where you can have these neutral sites for every single game. Whereas like the women's game, it's growing, but there's some about in like baseball too. Having the you know, playoff games on your home field. To where you kind of have to earn your way, like Jeff Walls was saying earlier. If they win three out of four, he believes they have a chance to host, you know, that first weekend, which is huge. Yeah. You know, to just be playing in your backyard, you know, sleeping in your bed every night. Same with like football, their first round games, they're going to be on campus sites, which is going to be funny to see these teams like the Southeast maybe play a game in Columbus, in College Park, and um, you know, at Penn State, at these other venues. It'd be I'm just waiting to see those because it'd be funny because they never leave the southeast ever yeah i mean you know we're not playing football right you don't have to worry about the weather or anything like go to the best college basketball venues the pavilion uh, go to kansas go to louisville go to you know some of these great venues across the greensboro yeah absolutely why not i know we're gonna have a quite a few more uh, acc tournaments there i am excited that it's in dc this year working on my uh my, my plans uh boozer has gotten into golf so he's already trying to set up some tee times we might need some help so we might have to uh Give me a call or text us and uh, find us a good golf course up there in D.C. for the for the ACC Network crew. A um, couple more. We'll keep these texts going, and then I know we got to hit a break here real soon. But uh, they, they said, uh, Glenn gives me Montrezl Harrell vibes. What do you think? Um, I'll let you start. What do you think about that? I think there's potential there. I just think Glenn's a little slimmer than Trez was back in the day. But, I mean, the motor's there for sure. I mean, you've obviously played with Trez, and you've seen Caleb's game. But – I do. I don't hate that comparison. I just think that it's premature for where Glenn is right now. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he's actually probably a little more polished than Montrez was, but Montrez has kind of a different set of tools, like the longest arms ever. He's bigger in terms of like body weight that he can throw around. Um, I think Caleb's strengths are going to be more about how quick he can be and still be that strong, which means if he can make the open three, he will be a monster small ball four man monster small ball four man you look at a guy like Blake Henson can really shoot the basketball playing small ball four I don't know of a lot of guys that don't play like Montrez and just block everything dunk everything that they're just next level monsters that play the small ball four spot and can't shoot I don't see it very often in college basketball you know McLaughlin for Boston College plays he's a little bit undersized but he rebounds his butt off and he, he can get offensive rebounds, score around the basket. He can take advantage of some smaller defenders. If you're going to be Caleb's size, he just, and I know he's a workhorse. I think his shot's going to improve year by year. Watch out. That kid's going to be a very, very good college basketball player. Very good. If he, if he can knock down the open three, he doesn't have to be a prolific shooter, but the open ones provide a little spacing. I'm a big fan of Mr. Caleb Glenn. Um, all right, last one, and then we'll, we'll get to a break here uh, before we uh, get to our last segment. But uh, play NIT before the tournament and give the Final Four their auto bids. You know, it's not a bad idea. Again, that's kind of what we're talking about. Expand it as much as you want. Let them all do play-ins. Let, you know, kind of get down to those last few teams and then find a way to, to make it look a lot like it does right now. Because I, I do think the format makes sense. The number of games you have to play makes sense. Um, and if you're behind because of what you've done through the, the regular season and through your, your real season before, uh, you know, postseason tournaments, you should probably have a disadvantage having to play a, a few extra games there. Yeah, I don't need to see like a 500, you know, SEC, I know like Sankey has been 
like we don't have access. Like you have all the access in the world. Your team was just, you know, sixteen and sixteen. That's not a tournament worthy team. And I just think that if they were to expand it, we get more of those than you know maybe a you know twenty five and nine team from. I don't want to use Mount West as like a good conference, like the West Coast Conference, like non Gonzaga St. Mary's, where it's like they had a good year, but their resume is just not up to par, and it's like we're snub you for this five hundred team in the Power Six. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I love the tournament the way it is. Um, how you expand it, I think you you go off-site and you try and use some of the best college basketball venues out there and you, you give them an opportunity to play into it. It's not going to be easy. The eyeballs aren't going to be the same, but that's where we're at. All right, uh, this is the drive on 93.9. Let's hit our last break here, and we'll come back and kind of wrap it up. Y'all be good. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive on 93.9. I'm Luke Hancock. Spence is in the booth. We'll get to uh, a couple calls here, 8150-93.9, if you'd like to jump in, talk about anything. We've been chopping it up about this show. We got Jesse holding. Jesse, how you doing? I'm great, Luke Hancock. Man, it's good to talk to you, brother. I've been a fan all, all your whole career, brother. Uh, I'm you. glad to hear that story about you today. That was nice. When the stories uh, are, are positive, we need those. Sometimes Mark will mess with me and give me a bunch of negatives, but I appreciate it. Uh, okay, well, listen, man, I, I'm con- I'm not confused. I, I, I need an explanation because I don't want to keep calling in and trying to get an answer for what I'm going to ask you, man. Uh, everybody seems to kind of, kind of uh, brush this off, but I, it, the other day it really came to the forefront. Give me a reason why Zan Payne is having so many minutes. Please, please don't tell me that um, you know we short. Yeah, we are short. There, there are teams in the last a couple of years, last two, two or three years. I know that have won championships with seven players. You know, seven active players. Man, what I see is there was a there was a point at which Manny was on the bench, D'Lo was on the bench, Caleb's on the bench, uh, Williams is on the bench, and we have a timeout. So it's not for spelling players and giving them breathers. I don't understand his value. Now I'm not trying to pick on the guy. But I'm telling you, as the game goes on, I see a timeout. I see whatever going on. And the key comes and still staying in the game when we got scholarship players on the bench for long periods of time. There was one point where Caleb and, and, and D, uh, Hunt and Brandon were both on the bench for even through a timeout. None of them, neither one of them had fouled out. I, I just want you to give me a scenario where he's supposed to be on the floor. And here's my last thing about that. 
I've seen the guards come up the floor when he's on the floor and have no option in him at all. So it's like uh, Skylar come up the floor and Skylar won't even look over there because it's nothing's going to happen there at all. And there's no value. Please don't say it's for defense because he got scored on every time his man had the ball the other day. I, I want a good explanation as because it's something I'm not seeing. I don't know if Kenny Payne's got a deal with his wife. I don't know what the deal is, man, but I'm puzzled by it. So if you could please give me some give me some hope about this because it makes no sense to me. I'd rather see McCool on the floor. When he came in tonight, that energy that I saw from him, he had guys should be playing earlier. Please explain this to me, man, because I am completely confused. And if Kenny's doing that out of spite, man, see you. See you, man. Yeah. You don't need to be here, bro. Jesse, if thank that, you. If thank your you very reason, much. Yeah. Thank you for the call. We, I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I do think at this point, you got to put bodies out there. I know he said that's not the answer that he wants, but – your starting five has no backup right now. I mean, you got you had four guys in this last Pittsburgh game that all scored in double figures, and you got one point from everyone else on the team. And that's a free throw from a core four. Now, when you start to line up, like, I thought if you're going to use a scholarship on D'Lo as late as Kenny Payne did, that he would be a guy who could come in and make an impact. I know you haven't quite seen it, you haven't really seen a crazy impact with Zan Payne, although like he gets in the game, I'm rooting for him. But at times it does look like they're playing a little four on five. They just don't have confidence in him that he's going to be able to make the play. Now, I'm not in practice every day. So I would assume that Kenny Payne sees enough from him or at least more from him than some of these other guys that he's going to buy into the game plan, that he's maybe not going to turn the ball over as much, that he's not going to take a bunch of bad shots. And then he feels like maybe somebody who's just simply not going to take bad shots is going to help us out there, who can screen and move, try and get up and down the floor a little bit. But in his first start, when they play Wake Forest, I felt really bad for Zane. They went Aaron Carr or Andrew Carr, excuse me, is a really good player. They went right at Zane every time. I felt really bad for him out there. Yeah, that was the one game where it's like, what are you doing, Kenny? Like, I've questioned a lot of things that he does, and I think a lot of it has been justified to be crushing the guy because we, we see the product on the court, unfortunately. But, like, starting your son in a game where they they were already, you know, down, and like you said, the guy just goes at him every single time defensively because he just stands there, unfortunately. And, again, like right now, again, I'm not going to get too upset because, like you said, they're down to so many guys on scholarship. They're, they need bodies out there. But when the team was fully healthy, there was next to no reason to put Zampane in outside you know, the last four minutes of a game in a blowout. Yeah, you know, I made a comment earlier talking about something totally different, but I think it kind of pertains to this when I was talking about Caleb Glenn. Right, You see how coachable he is. You see how hard he works. Once the game slowed down for him, he's been so much more impactful. I would like to see him get more minutes because he's a guy with his athleticism can put his prints all over the game. So I'm not going to sit here and crush any one player, but at this point, he got to play. He has to. You don't have any choice. Anybody that's able-bodied, like you, you probably got to see some minutes, um, and especially if you're in the, the front court. You're going to have to play some. So um, I, I'm wondering how they're running a competitive practice at this point with so few bodies. I've never been on a team that for so much of the season wasn't able to go 5-on-5. Five I mean, another example is our guy Scotty D at Bellarmine. They've been banged up with injuries. They can't even run a five-on-five practice either. Differences, you know, their ace some versus ACC level. Yeah. And you would expect the ACC team to have, you know, the bodies to be able to sustain a couple guys going down. But again, I've been again. People want to use the injury excuse to Kenny. My thing is, again, it is a factor. But if your team, if we were, you know, seventeen and one or whatever at that time. And the injuries hit, and they you know go you know five and eight down the stretch or whatever. I could see okay, this, he's a good coach. Injuries yep. happen. The team was even very good when they were healthy. But like yeah, right now, you have to just throw whoever can play a few minutes here and there to get some spurts in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back to again early on. If if Zan's getting in there over scholarship guys that you recruited and you felt like could make an impact on the team, like 
it's not like you went out and got a whole bunch of bigs that can really go. You decided off of last year's roster, I'm going to add one piece, a, an absolute project that everybody knew was a project in Dennis Evans, but I'm going to rock with my other big guys. Well, you had to have some faith in Okorafor, right? Some faith. You added him midseason last year. Yeah, he played 10 minutes, had one point, no rebounds. You added D'Lo late when we know the transfer portal creates opportunities everywhere. Now, it does seem to not be going the right way for Memphis, but they added Tomlin halfway through the year, a four-man that could shoot and play and do a lot of different things. So, I don't know. The roster makeup now, you just got to figure it out, and Zan's got to be a part of it. You just got to play with bodies at least a few minutes a game. Yeah, it's like, you know, St. John's, like Rick's criticizing the roster. It's like, well, you put this roster together, and, I mean, you played for him. You, I'm sure he's saying a lot worse to these guys' faces in practice than he is to the media. Well, that's 100%. I can guarantee you that. Uh, behind closed doors, when you're in the locker room, they're, they're trying to hold guys accountable. I've been to practices. I've, I've heard KP. I just think at this point these guys have lost their confidence, and I think one of the biggest things is how they're handling adversity in the games. You know, if, if teams start hitting shots – and you're not huddling up your crew and talking your way through, how do we slow this guy down? You're going to have what Kelly Dickey's stat about what Miles Kelly did going for a career high and Blake Henson going for 41. And there was one other one in the last few games. With, I, I saw this. I'm just blank on who it was. Another guy goes absolutely crazy. Like that just shows that you're not a together group. Because if you're letting one guy get off, you're not like looking at that guy in your huddle like, man, will you get it together? No, it's we're a team. How can we help you? And so, again, not being connected has made it really, really tough on these guys. Let's get James in here before we close things out. James, how you doing? Welcome to the drive. I'm figuring it out, guys. I'm ready. Y'all ready? Yeah, let's Are you know. ready? He can't coach. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about right now? Guys, the cake has been baked. The oven was fine. He can't coach. What else do you want from us? The record speaks for itself. We're talking about Zan Kane in February. That's all you need to know. And I'm not trying to hate on Zan Payne. I'm not. I'm really not. It's not his fault. His dad was put in the, in the position where he never should have got the job in the first place. And I'm sorry, the proof's in the pudding, and I don't know what else to say other than get rid of him. There's no hard feelings, man. Like, you can come back, be part of the 86 celebrations, whatever you want to do. But you cannot coach my basketball team no more. It's over with. And, I mean, until we get a basketball coach in there, this, this every day doing this, it's just, it's uh, it's pathetic, and the fan base. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, the more the longer it goes, I, I've been taking up for the fan base because the, there's been a lot of ex players talk about how we're uh, unpatient and all that. But you know what? I know a lot of fan base. But Michigan and Ohio State are football schools, and they've had enough. I mean, come on, man. This is University of Louisville. We shouldn't have to take. We shouldn't have to put up with this. Should have been fired before the Christmas break was over. With who has two weeks of Christmas break anymore? What will be in high school? Like, come on! This is what, what, we got five games left. Tell me, just yeah, uh -huh. how, you, how you're going to be rooting them on? What your feelings are in these uh, last five you, games? You want to see Luke, anything? Hang on, time out. Well, look, Luke, Luke, I've been watching them for 35 years. That this is yeah. all we know. So, so yeah, I'm going to root for them. But at the end of the day, we know when you know something, and you know the outcome of it. Why prolong it? Yeah. Why? Any part of you feel you know like, man, if Trenton Flowers was here and they didn't have these injuries. He did. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you, I'm glad you brought that up. Trenton Flowers was brought here because he was a difference maker, right, for character and, you know, turning the program around and all that. How'd that work out, Luke? He didn't even play one second for Obviously us. He took, the well, money, yeah. took the money. He took the money and ran, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Character, back. Character. Character, culture, that's all we've heard about. It's over. Have a great night, guys. Man, thanks for the call, James. Yeah, you know, it is what it is in terms of uh, fans feeling that way. I, I, I'm just not going to tell you how to feel in this moment. I'm trying so hard to root on KP as a former player. I'm trying hard. I'll tell you this, this, this game against Notre Dame tomorrow, 
it does mean a little something. If you win that game, you are not in sole possession of last place anymore. That's positive. That's the same with we beat Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago. Well, that's it, because you would be tied in the win column with Notre Dame and Georgia Tech if you get this done. Having a little tiebreaker. Now, you got you got four games left that I don't expect them to win. Um, but, you know, you competed against Syracuse before, now coming back home. Who knows? Uh, Boston College has been a little up and down. So, um, we'll see. I, I know the frustration is there. Um I get it, man. You know, sometimes even if I say anything remotely positive or try and play the middle ground like I just did, like people kind of eat me up on the text line. Like, I get it. It's a lose-lose situation this year, unfortunately, for think about, all of us. Think about my position. Like, I'm on the ACC network with Booz and Joel, and they're not even, you know, when you're with your buddies, you give a little back and forth, especially they're a Duke guy, Carolina guy, Louisville guy. They'll mess with me. I'll mess with them. You know, Syracuse beats UNC, and and Coach Beheim was in there with Joel Berry, and and uh, Coach and I are talking. Joel's kind of across the room there, and we're like, man, I don't even think he's going to speak to you today, Coach. So upset that your team went in there and whooped them. They've stopped messing with me. And it sucks. Oh, like I, I it's know, like almost worse, man. Like yeah, you can't even chide your buddies back and forth because yeah. it's inevitable. Like it's like it's not even fun anymore. Yeah. Again, if the shoe was on their foot and they were, Kentucky was down every year. It would get I'd get join them losing, but it's not fun when you know you're gonna win that no, game. Every you year. want the back and forth. Exactly. Everyone when they're better and we're better, it makes both teams better. You know the deal. When you were in the final four going head to head with the, well, you weren't because you didn't play that year. <laughs> I was actually there though. You were there. I was there. I in made the, the trip to that one. Up in the three hundreds? No, I had great seats. I had great seats actually. I think they could write my name on a on a player list or a pass list or something like that. I had great seats. Actually, Shaq was sitting like four rows behind me. So hey, that's nice. Yeah, had had good seats down in New Orleans. I had a great time. It actually worked out better for me. If you saw me during my redshirt year in New Orleans, I had a little too much fun. I was gonna say I feel like guys like Peyton and uh, Russ and others where it's like you could you have all of New Orleans, but you can't have fun until after the season ends. Unfortunately, I had enough fun for all of them. Was Atlanta at least fun? Obviously, uh, besides winning the championship. No. Well, afterwards, I'm saying it wasn't like you go out and go have a great time and go party. You know, the city had basically completely shut down by the time we got back. And I didn't really sleep. Peyton and I were up. We basically watched SportsCenter on repeat and got some food. My knee was blown up from the game. Uh, I had a fall in the right before halftime, um, locking up on defense. That's what it was. Shouldn't have done that. But Defense specialist. It, it led to the Montrose Herald dunk, so that helps. Uh, but yeah, going out and partying and stuff afterwards was not, not fun. Now the few months after that was oh absolutely yeah, quite Kings the, on campus. Quite yeah, you know I, I, that's one thing. When I think about these guys playing now, I know that they're trying. I know they're putting in effort, and I feel so bad for them because we used to go out. And fans just loved our team, and we would go out, and people would show us love all the time. And I feel like these guys go out, and they get hated on. You know, there's that that notion of man, you guys are some of the worst. You, you guys are the worst team ever in Louisville basketball history. I can't imagine That's such a thing to have to wear around. Yeah, like if these guys, I don't know if you know they're online classes or in person classes, but you know when they go to class and you're sitting next to them, it's like you don't want to say anything because it's like they all they know and everyone else knows the elephant in the room is that this team. It's unfortunately the second worst team in Louisville history, only behind last year's team. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. Man, I want them to experience just a little bit of what our crew got to experience. Uh, it's been a great show, man, and I appreciate you hanging with me this last hour. Uh, really excited to talk to a little TBT stuff, all the happenings going on with college basketball. Um, hopefully Louisville finds a way tomorrow, 7 o'clock, against Notre Dame to get out of sole possession of last place in the conference I'm Luke Hancock-Spence. I appreciate it again. This is The Drive on 93.9. Have a good night.